Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author and Property Investor. And this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And I'm delighted today to get somebody onto the podcast who I've been meaning to get on for quite a long time. And in fact, actually, you may not know this, Jamie, there you are, clue as to who it is, bit of a spoiler there. Jamie, you were actually specially requested many, many months mm. ago, and it's taken me a while to get you here. So long that I can't <laughs> remember who it was who requested you specifically, but you've got a fan out there who's going to be really delighted to hear you. That's because great. my guest today is Jamie York. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you very much, Peter. It's, uh, yeah, I think it was about five months ago that you uh, ended up requesting me to come on here. So it's nice to know that it was requested from someone. And apologies for taking this long to get it. Well, I think it was my fault. And I think it was longer than that. You've just been very, very kind. <laughs> but it's great to have Jamie on because, Jamie, as long as I've been in the progressive community, I feel like you've been here as well. It, probably not quite as long, but it almost feels that you have. And yeah. yet you're such a young man. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. <laughs> And we may get into all of that. My, if my viewers could actually see you, they'd realise that we're a bit chalk and cheese because I'm the old one, you're the young one <laughs> in the double act. But you've been here a while, haven't you? So you've obviously been in property since quite a young age. Yeah, I mean, I've been in property now for the last seven years. Probably come to Progressive the first time about five years ago. Yeah. And then being here, you know, more and more, obviously now I'm a speaker for Progressive, which is great. Um, been doing that for about a year and a half now. But yeah, for the last five years I've been in and out. Yeah, and you've also been on TV, which we're going to cover as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been on TV a couple of times. And uh, it, always, it always amazes me when people pick up, and I, I'm not sure what one you're talking about, but the one that keeps on coming up is the BBC mm. um, one. And at an event, someone will say, oh, I remember you from that. Is mm. it you? Mm. And that was, what, two years ago almost now. So mm. people have got a, a good memory from that particular episode yeah well i wonder if it's still on iplayer so Perhaps. anybody listening to this can sort of tune in and find it because it was we'll deal with it now when the landlord moved in yeah the week the week the, the week the landlord's moved in yeah, yeah. i guess and, and i guess it makes sense if people are coming to these property events they're searching for everything property so maybe they're picking it up and seeing it more more recently mm. yeah well we will come back to that because of course you're with your business partner dan yeah on that program and you and dan are aspire properties yeah, Aspire Properties, we've got a few different companies, which we'll maybe talk through um, on this interview. Um, but yeah, we started out in business, probably, well, when we were 18, so about nine years ago, but it wasn't in property. And we sort of just developed that as we went along. And the, the sort of name come from, uh, it was actually down the pub um, with a few other people. And we were just talking about what we're aspiring to do in our lives. And after a few, three or four people saying, well, I'm aspiring to achieve this and do this, I just thought, Aspire, that's a great name. Yeah. And it sort of just developed from there. Yeah. Um, what a great thing to do down the pub when you're 18. <laughs> I remember what I was doing down the pub when I was 18. Oh, and I wasn't <laughs> aspiring, unfortunately. I was usually just comatose. But there we go. A bit of both, I imagine, that weekend. Yeah. Excellent. Well, let's go right to the, back to the very beginning, because you've been in business since a very young age, fixing mini diggers. Age of 13, is that right? <laughs> so that was, it wasn't my business. It was, um, yeah, you know, like, so, so my upbringing, I think uh, a lot of people mistake the fact that because I've got money today and at a young age, they assume that it come from mum and dad. Mm. And um, it just really wasn't the case at all. 
So when we were younger, um, you know, I had some problems, things like my dad passed away. And so there was a lot of pressure on my mum to deliver. And for some reason, I'm not actually the oldest son, um, but I decided, right, I've got to step up. I've got to bring money into the family. So I just thought of different ways of doing it. And I was always obsessed with using my hands, um, being good using my hands when I was younger. And I noticed these people fixing, you know, not the big diggers, we're talking the mini excavators. Mm. They were charging like £300 a day to mm. fix them. And I thought, well, I could probably learn how to do that. So I did. And then I charged it out at £100 a day. So it was far cheaper, obviously, uh, young labour, labour, mm. slave labour, if you right. like. And it and just sort of built up from there. And it, yeah. it meant that I could help with rent and stuff like that. Right. But at the age of 13, that's amazing, isn't it, really? To be able to sort of think so proactively and to be able to... I mean, you've obviously always had a bent for business. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, th I think people get motivation from, dif um, from different points, different avenues, different people. And I guess mine was, you know, like when, when you get to rock bottom... Um, and you don't have all of the money there instead of, you know, if you don't have these resources, then you get resourceful. And I just think that was instilled in me from a young age. And because we didn't have anything, we had to have something. So it was just trying different things. And that's the one that clocked. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really hard thing to go through, isn't it? As a teenage boy losing your dad like that. And the, as you say, the pressure's on your mum. That must have been really hard. It, it was really difficult. Um, you know, he, he ended up dying from cancer. Mm. And I don't, I don't often talk about it actually at all, but I don't mind sharing some bits about it. And I think the thing that was really hard is maybe everyone sees their dad, but I'd like this. I just thought he was invincible, to be mm. honest. And then when we found out it was cancer, it didn't even phase me because it didn't come into my head that anything could beat my dad. Mm. And so, you know, the doctors were like, absolutely fine, absolutely fine. And we had this um, holiday booked, Haven Holiday Park, you know, going away for a caravan for a week. Mm -hmm. They were like, honestly, go on it. He's going to be fine. And we went away on the holiday. Um, and then halfway through, we got a phone call saying, look, it's taking a turn from the worst. You need to come back now. He's got about a week. Mm. Um, and it was really impactful. Mm. Um, it obviously caused a lot of pain and the family dealt with it in their own ways. Um, and it was bloody hard. Mm. It really was hard. I'm not going to try and pretend it wasn't. Um, and it was confusing. It was a confusing time in your life anyway, mm. right? Um, but coming from that, and I, I do strongly believe this, and for the people listening, we, we've all gone through some hardship in our lives. Mm. Uh, maybe something not as big as that, but it's big for them. Mm. And I always think you should never look at other people's problems or less and more. They're just completely different. But one thing I can guarantee, and from my dad passing away, is you can think of a lot of positives that come from that. Now, obviously, I'm not saying I'm glad it happened. I'd obviously change it if I could. But what comes from that is it, it really hit me that, you know, life's precious anyway. Mm. Um, we, we don't know what day is going to be our last. And what that hit me with, you know, he was 38 when he died. Mm. And, you know, for me at that age, and I'll be honest, I carry it sometimes now, which is probably what drives me to do what I'm doing, is what if I'm going to die at 38? Mm. What if that's going to be my last day? And then I realized, you know, most people in life, they live to a, a late, healthy age, um, you know, and that's great. But have they truly lived mm. or have they just sort of stumbled through life and got to inevitably dying? And I just thought to myself, and I can say today, I genuinely don't mind when my time is, um, you know, don't get me wrong, I want to be old. Um, you know, I want to get there, but I'm living every day as I want to. And by the time I die, I know I'll be on my deathbed saying, look, I truly lived. Mm -hmm. And how many people can say that? Mm -hmm.
and that's part of uh, my dad passing away. It was part of that pushed me to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it is hard, but you know, if that's sort of giving you the why and giving you the drive, then that's an amazing gift that he was able to pass on to you, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Because you know, sat here, and I'm not just saying this to sort of blow smoke up your WhatsApp, but I mean, I am in awe of a man of your age who has achieved as much as you have. Oh, thank and we're going to talk to it. We're going to talk about your achievements in a moment. But I think for a lot of us, you know, what is it that makes us do the things that we do? And there's a lot of people possibly listening to this podcast who actually aren't doing. And you could be doing more, guys. And I'm not trying to put you under any pressure. But <laughs> it's like Jamie says, where life is here to be lived to the full. And so many of us don't. We're just, Thoreau said, didn't he, that most people live lives of quiet desperation. Most of us are just surviving. Yeah. And I know this, my joke about being down in the pub at the age of 18. <laughs> here we are, I'm having a bit of a rant. This isn't the Peter show. <laughs> But I didn't really truly wake up until I was about 40. Yeah. And I wish I'd been thinking the way that you were thinking when I was younger. So that yeah. is a gift your dad's given you in, in all of that hardship. It, it absolutely is. And e even you saying that, the first thought that comes to my head is great that you, at the age of 40, decided to turn that around. And the thing that comes to my head is, for those of you that are listening that are closer to my age, what, what if 40 isn't a reality? Mm. Um, you can't afford not to start yeah, living totally. and take an action. That's a yeah. genuine belief of mine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you started your first company at 18 after this time in the pub. Yeah. <laughs> and you came up with the name Aspire. And what was your first business then, Jamie? Uh, so Aspire, it was a trading house. So I started trading stocks, derivatives, coffee, things like that. And uh, uh, it, it came from necessity again. So I lived in London whilst I was at uni and uh, just couldn't afford the rent. And this wasn't a nice place. It was a, a four-bed flat that should have been a one-bed. Mm. And to give you an idea, if I was sat at my desk and I took my feet off the floor, I had the chairs with the, you know, the wheels on the bottom. Mm. If I took my feet off the floor, I'd roll into the kitchen. So oh. it really wasn't great. <laughs> and from memory, it's £642 a month. Wow. Where was it? In Holborn, okay. in London. So nice mm. area. Yeah. Um, not so nice flat, but, mm. uh, you know, the area is what mm. it was all about for me. Mm. But I couldn't afford it. Um, and my mum couldn't help and student loan just didn't chip in. So I was working a few jobs and I thought, oh, trading, I've heard it makes money. You mm. know, so I, tr I tried it out and just learned and surrounded myself with people with that. And then, you know, I started with £500 and I was making a good percentage on it. And then people started giving me their money to trade with and doing a split of profits. And then, um, you know, we got to a stage where it was making OK money, certainly enough to support myself. But I hated it. Mm. I hated the isolation. Um, that came with it, to be honest. I like people. I like being mm. around people. Mm. So we ended up packaging it up and selling it on. Um, so we got about a quarter of a million at that stage. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that was great, but I was, I've never had that sort of money um, at that point in my life, and I was not ready for that sort of money. So I had one hell of a year um, and spent about 230 grand of that, oh, 250. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, a really good year and a really bad year <laughs> right. for, for different reasons. And um, it was interesting, actually. So I, I, I had this lecturer, um, got really close with him, really nice guy. And he literally gave me a smack around the head, said, look, come and have a chat. And he, and he was just laid it down for me. And he just said, look, you're going to be one of two types of people. He's like, I've lectured here for 15 years and I've met one other person like you. So obviously that feels good to hear, mm -hmm. right? He says, you're going to be someone that's going to inspire the world. You're going to write books. You're going to, you're going to leave a legacy, all of those great things. And I'm thinking, wow, somebody believes in me this much. And he went, or you're going to be in prison. And I just thought, well, <laughs> bloody hell, that's a bit of a hit. 
And uh, he just said, no, seriously, and the track you're going down, because, you know, it was going into a bad year and surrounding myself with the wrong people, he said, and it's going towards prison right now. And he said, now's your opportunity to turn your life around and make a decision to live the life that you, you deserve. And I thought, wow, yeah. And it just so happened that he were in property at the time. So he had properties in Burnley, um, which was about 230 miles away. And I'm living in London, but he lived in Burnley with all of his family. So it made sense. And I had about 20 grand left. So did my research, you know, I'd watched Homes Under the Hammer. So basically I was an expert already, right? And uh, I found a property, a three bed mid terrace property in Burnley for 21,800 pounds. Managed to scramble the rest of the money together and bought it. Not thinking to myself, I've got no more money to refurb it. And it's 230 miles away. Had my license, but didn't have a vehicle. So my mate's dad, end up buying me a van and a toolbox. And as I said, my family are sort of all handy, you know, builders, electricians, plumbers, plasterers, that sort of thing. And so he gave me this toolbox, I went, go on then, go refurb it. So Monday to Friday, I was working the jobs, um, was at uni, and then Friday I'd get paid cash in hand, drive up, sleep in the van, <laughs> and then go buy the tools, and I'd be YouTubing videos of how to do all this sort of thing. And it took me about eight months to refurb it. And that was that was the start of the career. Wow, I've never heard that story before. I've, I've never shared it with people before. Well, there we are. Gosh, a world first on the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a fantastic story, though. And it just shows that you've got to be committed, haven't you? And I think sometimes people think they're going to do something like, I'm going to be the world's best property investor or whatever it happens to be. But there's not that commitment. And then they wonder why it doesn't quite happen. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I think... Every single person that I've met certainly has the potential for greatness, um, whether that's in property or something else, but obviously in the remit of property for us. Um, I genuinely believe they've got the potential to make a hell of a lot of money and really change people's lives from that and the power that they get from it. Uh, I just think people sometimes are disillusioned into thinking it is as simple as going out there and going, all right, I'm going to buy a property and then where's the money in my hand? It doesn't work like that. There are complications. And uh, what I learned from that is, well, you know, learned from my own lessons. Don't do a property 230 miles away from you. Don't do the property. Don't do the refurbishment yourself. Mm. Make sure you get a good team in. And I'll be honest, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Mm. I didn't, which is why I ended up finding Progressive in the first place and getting educated. Yeah, but it was part of your education. I'm sure you learned a lot doing it. As you say, the, yeah. just those simple things about how to organise your life. You yeah. Learned. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I learned a lot. Uh, I just wish I spent less time and less money on learning the lessons that I learned. Yeah. Well, yes, that, that's the, the thing I think many of us can agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. But you were a young man at the time and you were a student. What were you studying? Uh, economics and mathematics. And was your lecture, that was your economics yeah. or maths lecturer? Who yeah, my economics teacher. Yeah. Pretty cool to have a lecturer like that. He was a really nice guy. Yeah. Not, not how I envisioned or had for most tutors, lecturers, teachers. He was a really down-to-earth guy and gave me a lot of life advice. And I guess, in a way, he was my first mentor mm. um, in the game, if you like. Yeah, valuable. And you're only 19 at that point, buying your first property. 19, yeah. yeah. And do you still own it? Uh, no, I don't. You don't? You, you know what? I did, I did keep it for a while, longer than I should have. Um, because it's hard not to get emotional, isn't it? Mm. And it was just like, no, we're going to keep that because that's the one I'm going to, that's the one I'll keep till the end. Mm. And actually it wasn't a good investment, mm. being completely honest. I still managed to sort of get by and not burn myself on it. 
but you know, I had one single property that I had no intention of buying. It was the worst house on the worst street in the worst area of Burnley. Um, I'm nowhere near it now. I wasn't anywhere near it then. And it just made sense to um, release that money. Um, and it was that money that helped me pay for education as well. So mm. it had its purpose. Yeah. And it got you started. It got me started. Yeah. yeah. And um, it, yeah, it got me started in a lot of ways and into deal packaging, which obviously we'll talk mm. a little bit about. Mm -hmm. But the reason how that started is um, whilst I was doing the property, I realized actually the thing that I really loved was doing deals mm. and um, negotiating and agreeing prices. So I ended up still doing that. And I agreed a price down the road from me, pretty much the same property, same condition for 18,000. So 3,800 less mm. than what I'd agreed this. And essentially I'd been down the pub moaning that Friday about how I'd found this great property, but I've not got any money to buy it, all of that sort of thing. And my mate went, well, my dad buys in the area as well. And I thought, oh, well, here's the lady's name. Here's the number. Here's the price agreed. He might as well do something. And he did. So uh, about a month later, um, went to the pub again and his dad was there, put an envelope in front of me and it had two grand in it. So I thought, oi, oi, mm. what's this about? Now in my area, if somebody uh, puts two grand, they're expecting you to do something. So I was like, come on, what's this about? And he said, no, no, look, you found me a really good property here. You find me another one and I'll give you another two grand. So I'm driving back now and I'm thinking I'm some sort of pioneer, right? I thought, mm. oh my God, I'm going to set up this industry. People are going to want to work with me. They're going to come and get trained by me on how to do this. Absolutely massive. But then I got home, Googled it. Turns out hundreds of people do this already. Mm. So it kind mm. of shattered it that I'm not a pioneer. But what it did do is show that actually there are other people doing this. This is a real thing. I can make a success of it. And that was my first exposure of, wow, I can make money from property without actually owning the asset, mm. which was a, was a massive mm. eye-opener for me. Yeah, well, you might not have been a pioneer, but all of those other things have happened, as we'll hear about. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. So it did happen. It did happen. So is that, that was the start of your portfolio, as well as the deal packaging? Yeah. Because you, you do buy for yourself as well, presumably. Yeah, yeah, we, we do buy now. So, um, you know, what's that, seven years now, and uh, yeah, we've got a portfolio of around five million um, that we're looking to build quite aggressively over the next five years. Okay, what sort of stuff do you buy? Um, well, I've ma mainly buy to lets. Um, I stick to core. I know it's boring, you know, but mm. boring's cool um, for what I want. Now there are great strategies, and a couple of them we're testing service accommodation on HMOs. But I like keeping things basic. It's not for the cash flow for me, although it does that, it's for security and building a nice asset base mm. that's gonna get capital growth over the next, you know, for me, hopefully 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. And when I do have kids, leaving them something quite sizable mm. um, for them to live a completely different life that I had the first 20 years. Um, so I've got that as my main that I hold. Um, next year, we're angling that towards blocks of flats rather mm. than singles, um, so we can build it up quicker. Um, and then we bolster our cash pot if you like through we do a lot of flips we're aim we aim for five a month gotcha. um but we're we're not hitting that we're maybe mm. doing two or three um on average but that's pretty good um and then we do some developments and commercial conversions um as well and where, whereabouts is all this jamie so most of it's in leeds where we're based in and mm. around but our developments we've got one in london and mm. one in ashford um that we're selling off the last one now going through legal so that's pretty good yeah why leeds <laughs> I'd, I'd love to say that whilst I just analysed it and it was the best place to be, um, it wasn't at all. I lived in London 
And, you know, whilst I was getting started and spent all of that money, I couldn't afford to live in London to have a life that I wanted to. I really loved it and I want to go back there at some point. But I thought, well, you know, why not? Uh, let's, let's move outside. And at that point, I was going to go to Spain. Mm. Right. I wanted, to, I wanted to learn Spanish, always had. And I thought I've got my phone and my laptop. If I was just going to go to a small village where nobody speaks English. And the two guys that lived with me said, look, if you go anywhere in the UK, we'll follow you. We'll come to you, but we don't want to leave the country. And I thought, oh, that's really sweet. So suddenly the Spain, Spain idea was out of the window. And at that point, I'd never been north of Birmingham. Right. right? <laughs> and uh, they went, well, look, let's go to a northern city. And my idea in my head of a northern city was sort of like taverns and huts, right? Not quite London. And uh, they just said, well, not Liverpool, because one of them was from Liverpool. They want to be away from home. And I said, what about Leeds? Really nice people, good night out, and the girls aren't so bad either. And I thought, that's good enough for me. So the next week we moved up there, got a house. And I said to them, look, we're going to give it a year. This was six years ago now. Mm. Uh, we're going to give it a year, really go all in. And hopefully we love it and it's brilliant and we'll set up shop here. And if we don't, what's a year in the grand scheme of things at that age? And uh, so, yeah, so that's the story behind Leeds. Yeah, and it all worked out. And it but all worked out. All worked out. But between that and Burnley, you actually didn't go straight into property, did you? You went back into being employed. Yeah, I did. So, so when I moved up, it was very temporary. Um, you know, moved up, didn't have much money. And very quickly, we, I, I lived in a HMO um, there. So shared with my mates, we were paying a room rate. And I was realising that the limited funds I did have was dwindling down quickly. And as much as I wanted to be an entrepreneur, always, always thought I would be, um, you know, you've got to eat. You've got to pay your rent, got to have a roof over your head. So I thought, right, I'm going to have to go out and get a job. So applied to jobs and uh, end up getting a really good position at Headhunters, um, which is sort of like a high level recruitment, basically. Mm. Um, happened to be in the property field as well. So it was recruiting high level QSs and PMs, things like that, which actually helped me build up quite a lot of contacts. I was probably there for about six months. Um, it was good money. You, you made a decent wedge. Um, there certainly enough to pay the rent, pay the bills, and have a bit of fun, but it was just hard work. It was just you know the same as most jobs. No matter how much you're making, you're exchanging your time for money constantly, and you know if you're so busy in the world of life, you're never going to get out of it. Mm. And I just thought, you know what? I can see why people do this and say I'm going to do it for six months, and then it's a year, five years. Next thing you know, you're going for your senior partnership mm. promotion thirty years later thinking, what happened to my life? Where did it all go away? And I don't want that. You know, I'm surrounded by people now, and it's weird being young and maybe thinking slightly differently to my age. Most people I spend time with and enjoy spending time with are a lot older than myself, because mm. most people my age are interested in girls and booze, and that's about it. And, um, and I just see, you know, the, the constant thing of, you know, between when you're younger, zero to 20, you've got loads of time, loads of energy, but no money. And then 20 to 60, 65, you've got a decent chunk of money, um, a decent amount of energy, but no time because you're working. And then you're 65, 70 when you start, I mean, what is it, 67 now retirement? Mm. And then you've got money, you've got the time and not much energy. Mm. And that's when you're meant to enjoy your life. That, that is a puzzle that doesn't seem to fit to me mm. and never has. And, and I never needed more evidence than I did in that six months in a job. And I thought, you know what, I need to pack this in and really just go for it. And I yeah. did. Brilliant. So you're in Leeds. Yeah. You've packed in your job. You've yeah. discovered deal packaging. Is that when it all started to come together? 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I ended up coming to Progressive um, to one of the events and I was not one of those guys. I mean, talk to me now, like positive, forward thinking, hopefully, and, you know, go, go, go sort of person. But I was not the person, that person at all. I was the person at the back of the room, arms folded. And honestly, anyone that went to take action and to change their lives, I thought they were an idiot. I did. Yes. That was in my head. I just thought, mate, they've just given you the information. You don't need their help now. And so I went out and tried it on my own. And that, just, just stop you there. Was that a multiple streams of property income? Event, yeah, multiple it? streams of property and income. And the irony is, of course, you've just been the host of... I've just hosted one last weekend and, and it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I know. That's, that's real irony. Yeah. And th th it was funny, actually, and I won't name names. But there was somebody there, um, a young lad, probably about 20s, um, early 20s, and I just saw myself in him because mm. he was sat at the back with his arms closed. And at one point I called him Jamie uh, and his name was not Jamie. Was uh, and yeah, what, what, a, what a twist of fate. Yeah. What a twist of fate. But yeah. I went out there and tried to do it on my own. And uh, it was an absolute disaster. And that's when I thought, you know what, you've got cocky here. You need to mm. swallow your pride and go and learn from people that have done what it. Are you, what are you saying as a disaster? What happened? Well, you know what? It, it wasn't a disaster because the, the great thing about deal packaging is even when you do it badly, you don't lose significant amount, significant mm. amounts of money. You know, it's different from if you buy a property, do a flip, buy to let, HMO, service accommodation, commercial conversion. If you do it badly, progressive, uh, progressive property can be unforgiving, mm. Mm. unforgiving. Mm. Um, so it's really important you get your education, but. You know, I'd gone in all in, as I said, it was over Christmas and mm. I come back and I had two choices. Either I go back to the job with the bit between my teeth and absolutely smash it or I come in, there's my notice, I'm going all in on this property. And going all in was not going all in um, for me. You know, I didn't go all in and I had six months of working. I'm talking 80 hour, 100 hour weeks. And at the end of it, I had 570 pounds to show for it mm. and uh, behind on my rent, didn't have the money at all so i just thought right if i'm gonna do this i've got to do it properly and i just think with those things now that i've learned if i'm gonna go into something don't dip your toes in it mm -hmm. don't dip your toes because that's not the way to do it just go all in and i mean all in and if, you're, if i'm gonna fail at something i'm gonna fail at something mm -hmm. i'm not gonna be this person that says i failed but it's because i didn't do this this and this mm -hmm. i want to go all in and go i failed because it just didn't work for me yeah, and I'm bound to say this because this is a progressive property podcast, but I mean, education is such an important part of that, isn't it? Oh, yeah. When, you know, it's, it's absolutely crazy. It's weird because from hosting, I was um, sharing different stories and things like that. And my my mum, who, you know, we bought a house now. So, you know, she knows the impact of this, um, but she's still worried about me because I'm the only the only person that's not got a job. Yeah. And it's just absolutely crazy. And like, you know, like you go, you learn on the job, you get paid on the job. And I was like, no, 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 I pay for education. And then I do that. I mean, I don't know how much I've invested now in my education, well in excess of 50 grand. Mm. And now um, I structure it in a pot system. So 10% of my income mm. each year, I'll allocate towards education. Mm. Um, and it's a completely different way of thinking. So it's not, can I afford education? It's I deliberately allocate pots of funds to my education because as soon as you stop, ignorance starts settling in and ignorance costs you a hell of a lot of money in this game. Absolutely. So there, anybody who's listening to this, maybe that's the challenge. Can you put 10% aside for your education? Yeah. And, and you're not going to have that. You know, if you look at T. Harvecker, he said something about the pot system. And the idea is you've got these six pots. You've got your main pot financial freedom, play account, um, 
your long-term savings, education, and your give account. So those six pots. And the aim is to get your main account, which is your daily living expenses, to 50%. And then you allocate what you feel is right for you. So mine's 10% in education. You might decide it's 20% or lower, whatever it is. But when you start this pot system, what you'll probably find is actually your day-to-day -day living probably is about 80 to 90%, sometimes mm. even 110% mm. of what you actually earn. And, you know, that's, that's because of your relationship with money. And, you know, so at the start, you need to go education heavy, um, in my opinion, to start bringing that down towards the 50%. And once you've got that covered, everything else starts freeing up. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And as somebody who spent many, many years working on my own, not even knowing the education was available, I look back. I try not to regret because you can't change what's happened. But I just wish I'd known all this stuff 20 years ago. Yeah, and, and, and things are very different. Things would have been very different. And I, I don't know if it was all here 20 years ago. I, you know, it I was, wasn't. I was seven so, years old. I wasn't really thinking mm, like mm. that. Um, but like you said, you can't beat yourself up mm. about what you did yesterday, let alone a year ago. That is out of your control. And a lot of people have that mindset block that they think it's too late. It's not too late. You've made decisions that stopped you getting to the next level all your life. That was you yesterday. You today doesn't have to be that person. You today can be somebody that looks forward and looks to get educated and take action and get to the next level in your life. And that's what you need to attach yourself to, not who you were yesterday. Absolutely. So you're going all in. All you're, in. You're looking at uh, deal packaging. You've done it badly. You're now going to do it properly. You've met Progressive. <laughs> what happened next? Because we sell BMV appeared. We sell BMV, yeah, it's, it's sort of come around and it's actually a brand that we purchased um, off of somebody else because we were doing it and we were getting a name for ourselves. But this already had a name, not a great one because the guy running it wasn't a, a good um, deal packager, we'll say. So we took on that challenge and repackaged it. And, you know, we're, we're now doing 50 to 100 a month, um, which is not bad. We're really happy, to, happy for that amount of money to be coming in and it helps us then fund everything else, growing portfolios, our toys that we want, you know, some of the silly stuff like the cars. Yes. Um, and the aeroplane. And the aeroplane. Yeah. yeah. So the, the aeroplane's cool. Uh, I like the old classic cars, so Porsches, Ferraris, stuff mm. like that, um, which again are investments. But yeah, it all stems back to property and it's just building it and making it better and better. So what, what was the big difference then? You, you've gone from the stage where you're struggling to actually obviously smashing it completely. What, what happened in between? You know what, a few, a few different things, but the, the key to was a mindset shift where I, I don't know if many people go through this, and maybe some of your listeners are thinking this, but there was this underwhelming feeling that somebody like me didn't deserve to have that. And I didn't actually realize that at the point, but it, was, it weighs on you. It really does to really look at yourself in the mirror and go, no, you're the person that does this. You drive vans, you put tools in the vans. That's what your life is destined to be. And then if you ever had me in a plane or a Porsche or a Ferrari, it would be a joke. And so I pushed that onto everyone. Everyone my age was a drug dealer that had a Ferrari. That was in my head or a Range Rover or daddy gave it to them because I've got money issues and I've had daddy issues, right? Mm. And it's like, so as soon as I managed to get over that, there seemed to just be this breakthrough. Mm. It was like this invisible wall that was stopping me being at the highest level I can be and stop restricting myself getting to that next level that everything started to come together. And then the, and then the big thing is as well is education. Now, I just had this massive ego 
around it. Like genuinely, I've made the joke about Holmes Under the Hammer, but mm. I used to watch Holmes Under the Hammer and think, he's an idiot, she's mm. an idiot. Every single person was an idiot that was on that show in my head. And I just thought, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Like they made every mistake, ignored all the advice, and they still made money. If they can do it, I can do it. Um, which is a good mindset in the fact that if they can do it, I can do it. But because of that, I thought, I don't need somebody teaching mm. me. And it's just pure ignorance. And I hate the old me. I hate that I was that way for whatever amount of time. And the thing with education is it's a certain irony is like you have no idea just how much you don't know, mm. just how much you don't know. And it's often people that are in property for a number of years, you know, that people have been doing it the old school way for mm. the last 15 years, buying, refurbishing, renting it out, building another deposit. Well, you know, it. Mm. and they sit there and they go, well, I know all this. I don't need any other education. And it's when they sit on a course for two, three days and they come out and they're like, I had no idea I was this ignorant. Mm. I had no idea I was this ignorant. And when you've got that knowledge and the mindset shift, anything, anything is possible. Absolutely. I mean, I go on courses to top my education up and people see me and they say, what are you doing here? Yeah. And I say, well, I'm learning. You've got to be learning the whole time. You never know. And you never know it all. No, you yeah. never know enough. You're constantly developing, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, if like, you're seeing you in the course, you're like, you've been in property. How many years have you been in property? Too many, forty years. Forty years in property. You're chartered surveyor. Mm. You know, you know everything about property, right? And well, I don't, but that's the point. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's what I mean. Mm, yeah, that's what I mean. No, mm. you don't, because mm. we're constantly developing. Yeah. And it's and it's strange as well because of my age. People, a lot of people will be like, "Well, what can what can I learn from some kid mm. um, that's coming in?" Actually, a hell of a lot because when you're doing this on a daily basis. Times change, legislation changes in property. Um, all of these things come in and you're constantly developing these skills. And so it's so important to make sure you're learning off of people that are doing this. Absolutely. And in your particular instance, you're a kid who started a business and sold it for a quarter of a million quid at age 19. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. I think we could learn a lot from you. Yeah. Even if we just stopped there. Well, But, but no. there's more. I know no, there's more to come. No, no. I mean, so. look, I don't, I don't want to get cocky about that. I, I think, yeah, it's great that I was able to do that. I think there was an element of being in the right place at the right time. Um, well, I don't believe in luck. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you make your own luck. Exactly. But, uh, I cer certainly fortunate to be in that situation mm. well there we are you're being very humble about it but i'm <laughs> the same we can all learn from each other and it doesn't matter how old or how young you are we can all learn from each other so deal packaging let's get on to the business then so you're doing a massive amount of deals aren't you how many do you say you're doing 50 to 100 a month in grand that? not deals oh sorry um, okay well, yeah that, in well, deals. even so very impressive yeah, it's, it's, it's a decent sized business. And, it, you know, I can't take full credit. It's my team that does all of the work, if I'm completely honest. But you started the business. I started the business with Dan. Um, yeah. And, you know, we set that up and built it over time. Um, and now we've got little teams for each section and they just run it really smoothly. So now my input is I really like selling. I really like getting on the phone, but I have to stop myself because obviously that's the sales team's mm. job. But I love jumping on the phones every now and then. And really now my input's the strategy side. So obviously when, when you're in the business sort of digging away, it's hard to sort of put your head up and see what's really going on. And the great thing about owning a business now is you can see the weaknesses that are going on. You can see what's working really well and you can see the outside perspective 
um, of life, the economy, Brexit, things like that, how it's affecting it, how it's affecting change. And people are getting really scared of things like that. I'm not scared of it. Change is good. Change means money. And that's the thing that divides the educated and non-educated. The non-educated are the people that are going to be selling me their properties over the next year. The people that embrace the change and get educated around that are the people that are buying them off of me and giving me the fee for them. So it's a really great time to be in the market. And it's great being a business owner to be able to see those things coming and be able to adapt them and put them into the business. Mm. So absolutely, totally agree. So what was it that made you want to have the business and build the portfolio? Why didn't you opt for one or the other? Why have you got both strategies on the go at the same time? <laughs> well, so I started deal packaging, honestly, as a means to an end. When I started deal packaging, I thought, well, I'll do this for a little while whilst I get five grand a month in, you know, because it's, it's one of the quickest ways to build up five, 10 grand a month, which is great. And then I'll seriously get into property. And that was in my head. And I think a lot of people think like that. Deal packaging is one of those strategies mm. that you get into and then maybe do as a side gig down the road. Mm. And I had a bit of a mindset shift around that because as I built it up and got the systems around it and started building my portfolio, I still had a load of properties coming to me that were good properties. They just didn't fit my criteria. And so, you know, I just spoke to a few investors. Would you like this? Would you like this? Obviously, there's a bit more to it. But then I was building my portfolio and selling the properties for the cash flow. And I thought, well, hold on, there's something here. And I thought, instead of tossing that aside or even having it as my 20 in the 70, 20, 10 that maybe mm. you spoke about mm. before on the podcast, um, what if I made that my core? What if I made that absolutely everything I did? And what that meant is that I've got thousands, tens of thousands of investors that my team are building a relationship with them on a monthly basis. And we're now getting a really strong supplier of different types of properties. So what that did is put me in a really good position to go, I want that property. And if I've not got the money for it, even though I should because of all the packaging fees are helping me with the deposits, an investor would help me buy it and join mm. venture with, with me. So it got me in this really powerful situation. So going back to your question, mm. the deal packaging for me is it's a business um, and it's what we call in the industry a cash cow. So if you've ever studied economics, it's what we'd call the cow um, type property business, business, which is just bringing in large chunks of money and very high, pro pro very high profit margins. We're talking 70% plus mm. profit margins, which is huge in any business. So it's bringing me the cash. So the toys that I have, the Ferraris, the planes, stuff like that, that's what covers all of that sort of thing. But also, I use that, those, that money for deposits to grow my portfolio. Mm. The reason for that is security. What if I wanted to sell the business down the line? What if I just wanted to wrap it up? Um, I've got the assets there, and we've all heard of safe as houses mm. right, as a term. And it is in a really safe investment where my buy-to-lets are probably getting me about 20% return on my capital left in, mm. um, you know, because I do leave capital in. I don't like over-leveraging them. Mm. But that's a good return on capital. Mm. And, you know, I know they will go up and down in value. Maybe Brexit will dip it a bit. Maybe it won't affect it. I don't really care. Um, I've got them secure. And what I do know is I don't care about the next five years, the next 10 years. I'm 27. I'm thinking when I'm 50, What's my five million pound portfolio going to be worth then? Mm. I don't know, but more than five million. Mm. It'll be worth 10, 15, maybe more. Mm. And, you know, there's a massive housing shortage as well. And it's, it's one of the best times. Now is the best time to start building your portfolio. By 2020, there's going to be a million, a million person housing shortage in the UK. Mm. There's a million people without homes. That's pushing between, towards multi-unit. 
And for those of you, those of them that can still afford their own home, it's pushing up pro property prices and it's pushing up rents, which means the investment just gets better and better over time. Mm. And I think if you're serious about business, you need your cash strategy and you need your asset strategy. You can't live without one. Yeah, very wise, very wise. So where are the deals? Where, where do you find them? Are they around Leeds or all over the UK? So we've, so we've got two. So we've, so we've got We Sell BNV, which is all around the UK, um, not in Ireland uh, at the moment, but we're branching into that now. Um, but we source all over the UK and we focus on, well, originally below market value property, hence the name mm. We Sell BNV. But in some yeah. areas of the UK, getting BNV is tough. Mm. Um, so London, actually now is a great time to pick up some discounted property. We've got about 50 properties in London now that we've sourced over the last couple of months, which is great. Um, but we source lease options, rent to rent, service accommodation. So we do all of them, um, but more of a finder's fee. So we're looking for property professionals to invest in those where they take them on, they do the refurb, things like that. Mm. We've also got Aspire Property Group, which is really going, we're going heavy into next year, which is more bespoke. And that's aimed at people that want a completely hands-free service where we're building them a portfolio of whatever they want, HMOs, buy to let service accommodation, et cetera, in and around Leeds. Okay. So we've, we've got the sourcing company, we've got a construction company, which is one of the other businesses we built up. So we're able to do that. And we've got a lettings company. Mm. So we're able to do a complete end-to-end -end for people. And that's what we're looking to focus on next year, expanding the bespoke side of the business. Right, excellent. And in terms of the deal packaging, you actually train deal packaging for Progressive, don't you? I do, yeah, along yeah. with David Siegler. Along with David Siegler. So some tips on deal packaging. Anybody, I mean, it's not the sort of thing which you should necessarily just go out and try for a bit of a laugh, just see how you get on. You need to be educated. But for anybody who's out there, perhaps who have already started doing deal packaging, yeah. what are your sort of top tips to get the deals? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess the most obvious first thing to say is go and get educated. But I'm going to take that as a mm. given mm. Um, that people understand the value of education. They're going to get it. Um, a lot of people think of deals pa deal packaging as, you know, what comes first? That's the big question that comes up for people is what comes first, a chicken or the egg? Mm. Or in this case, do you get the deal first or do you get the investor first? Mm. And the truth is, actually, you, you want to be finding both at the mm. same time because you want to be building these relationships. And if I had to put it into a percentage at the start of your journey, I would probably spend 70% of your time focusing on the investors and 30% on the properties. And my, my logic behind that is, I hear a lot of people posting on Facebook about they did 30, 40 viewings this week. And I think, okay, that's brilliant. And that the action taking is where it's mm. at. But who are you trying to get them for? Because mm. if it's a non-person, somebody that doesn't exist, you're trying to get a good deal for what you want. Mm. But that doesn't mean the person that's gonna be wanting the deal wants the same things as you. Mm. So you need to get yourself out there networking as much as possible. And, you know, you can go to PPNs, which are really great for getting your networking in. Pins, great network. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't mention their name, but no, you know, no, that's fine. Another, that's fine. another great event for getting out there. But what do people go to those events for? They go there for one of three things, I think, to surround themselves with like-minded people because property is a lonely game. You want to mm. surround yourself and keep yourself accountable. And the great way to do that is networking. You want to get some education and that's great for that as well. And you're looking for money. Mm. The problem with that is everyone else is doing that. So mm. I'm not saying you won't find real investors in those situations, but um, you know, I think you're better spend spending your time on LinkedIn, a great source um, of online marketing. And I believe pretty much everything is going online at the moment. So if you're not mm. um, 
on Facebook, on LinkedIn, you really need to start mm. taking that seriously. You know, about 40,000 of our investors come from LinkedIn, which is huge. Um, and start getting yourself to business events. So, you know, breakfast clubs, curry clubs, things like that. And just start talking about what you're doing. And when you're talking about property, there will be someone that says, I'm interested in property, whether they're a property expert or not. You get their criteria. And the first thing you'd be saying is, look, think of me as a personal shopper. Mm. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to find the property specific to the criteria you've given me. Would that be helpful? Of course, they're going to say yes. Great. And just tell them the first obstacle you're going to come up against. The first obstacle I'm going to come up against, because you're likely talking to estate agents at the start, low-hanging fruit before mm. you start your direct vendor marketing, they're going to ask me for proof of funds. So what I'd like from you is some proof of funds so I can show that to the agent to give them confidence. And in return, I'm going to give you an exclusivity so you get first refusal on that deal. Most investors, if they're serious, will give you the proof of funds. Mm. And that's going to give you so much power when you go out there. And the great thing is you can go into an estate agent and you're viewing properties that you know, let's call him Jack, mm. Jack wants. Mm. You're viewing properties and putting in offers based on Jack's criteria. And you're able to say, here are my investors' details with proof of funds and solicitor details. I just need to talk to Jack, who's a real person, just to finalize the numbers. And do you think that's going to be more powerful than someone just offering on 30 properties a week? Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's a really good tip for people. And it's, it's the most common thing people struggle with at the start is how to get properties offline. And that's the way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, no, that's fantastic advice. I meet so many people who are literally running around like headless chickens because they're not quite sure what they're doing. Yeah. And that actually gives you a framework to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, 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 the hardest thing when you're going out there is people will perceive you how they want to perceive you. And there are people out there that are doing this without education, without that bit of info that I just gave you. And so they are running around like headless chickens. So you're going to get treated like that at the start and you need to break past that. So you need every way possible for you to be professional. And that is what I found with my team and people that I'm educating as one of the most powerful ways to come across as professional and get taken seriously. And people talk about the black book of estate agents, mm. you know, bottom shelf deals and all that. Mm. It's a load of rubbish. It's rubbish. It's a load of rubbish. You get one deal with them. And as a deal packager, you get one deal with them and then go, great, let's get another one and watch their mouth drop. Yes. You're in their black book. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the thing which I hate about this talk about the bottom shelf deal is just because it's a deal for the estate agent doesn't mean it's necessarily the sort of deal you're after anyway. Absolutely. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Just it go does. out there and start talking to agents and buy some stuff. You're spot on. You're spot on. Just go out and take action and take this seriously. And mm. um, yeah, you're absolutely right about it not being a deal because, you know, an estate agent and Apologies to any estate agents listening. Most estate agents aren't actually property people. They're low-paid salespeople, mm. okay? And they're just doing what they're told to say and regurgitate the same information. So a good deal to them might be one that clearly needs a massive refurbishment. That doesn't mean mm. it's a deal. That doesn't mean no. the numbers stack. Exactly. So quite often, if the end value of the house is 200,000 and you're looking at a property that needs 50 grand, don't be shocked when an estate agent says you're getting a deal at 190. Mm. You know, because that's the way mm. they work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Take action and, mm. um, yeah, just make sure you're going forward with the tips I just gave and you will be successful and get deals off the market. Yeah. Well, it obviously works for you, Jamie, because you've done, what, over a thousand deals now? A thousand package deals? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many it is now. The, the last count we did was in July and that was over a thousand then. So mm. don't know how many now, 1,400 mm. maybe. Mm. Which is pretty impressive. 
Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. You know, we're, it's, it takes effort and it's growing a business. And when you get to that size, there are new problems that come in that maybe when you're doing three or four a month, you don't have those problems. But it's a nice challenge to have. And I'm looking forward to building it as well. Well, I imagine one of the biggest challenges you must have is just finding the stock. Now, I know that you're a bit of a whiz when it comes to things like social media and <laughs> AdWords and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Give us a quick run down on how you actually find the properties. So, so most people go out and think marketing, get more marketing out there and you get more deals. That's just logical, right? Yeah, mm. that's brilliant. Mm. But that's kind of a scattered approach, you know, throw everything out and see what buyers. And um, that's not the way you want to do marketing. Think about marketing as your end avatar. So the avatar is what does the person look like that's receiving these deals? So on the vendor side, for example, let's say I want to focus my marketing on picking up buy-to-let portfolios from people. Great. So let's just think logically about that. So who is going to be selling a portfolio? Probably not someone my age, unless they've inherited it, but that might be one or two people. We're talking people 50 plus. Okay, pretty logical. Portfolios, why would they be selling it? Well, what's happening in the market at the moment? Section 24, the tax changes, great. So how can we target that person? Maybe they're a higher tax income earner. Great, so write that down. Um, what else is log logical? They probably haven't spent money on them on their properties for a while. So don't think about how you're going to get this information. Just think about the information. Mm. Great. So you might say hasn't done a refurbishment in the last 10 years. Are you starting to build a picture mm. of this piece of this yeah. type of person? Yeah. And you can see come is it April when the changes come in? Mm. And a lot of these don't know about it, by the way, because they've got their portfolio of 30, 40 properties. Their accountant isn't a property person. They just don't listen. They don't know what's mm. going to hit them. And then mm. it does. Mm. And then it's, oh, crap, I need mm. to get out of this. So we're building this picture of it. And the great thing that I love about online marketing is you can set that avatar. You can tell Facebook who you're looking for and it will focus on that. Um, and the great thing is you don't spend any money until somebody interacts with it. Now, when you're sending a letter or a leaflet or something like that or a bandit board, whatever, offline marketing, which I do. So mm. I'm not, you know, um, taking the mick out of it because it does work. But I'm spending that money and I have no idea if somebody's read it. Mm. I have no idea if it's gone straight in the bin. I have no idea if they have read it and they are interested. They've just not rang me yet. So I need to send them more, you know, things like that. Whereas with the online marketing, I'm only ever exchanging when there's an exchange from their side. Mm. And I know for a fact that they're ticking the boxes. Mm. So that's going to really help, you know, just taking five minutes to think about who I want to see the marketing is really going to help you build up a picture and come from that. And it's the same with the investor side. With Aspire Property Group, we look for people um, between the age of 30 and 50. Um, they earn a quarter of a million a year. They have half a million of investable assets and typically live in London. Now, if I said, go find those people at a networking event, what are you going to do? Go and ask people how mm. old they are? How much did you earn last year? Show me a payslip? No. Mm. But on LinkedIn, I can focus all of that. And you start thinking, if I were that level, who am I? I'm a director. I'm an executive, I'm a lawyer, I'm a dentist, I'm a trader. You know, we're not kids at home. And when you've got that visual image of that person, what do they expect? They say they expect a certain different language, you know? So you can on a LinkedIn say exploding ROI on your first property investment. And they'll get that because mm. they're in that mindset. And so when you think of the person that's reading the material, you can adapt your material and get it focused. And I promise you, if you just spend an hour thinking about who's going to be receiving your marketing before you're doing it, you're already onto a win in that first conversation. Yeah. And it's amazing days that we live in. Those tools are there. Probably 
just thinking back, probably even just 10 years ago, Facebook and LinkedIn weren't that powerful. They're only just starting, really. Yeah. And now you've got access to a whole marketplace. As you say, you can just get the criteria and you can focus on who it is you're looking for. And it's yeah. there with a few it's, mouse clicks. It's, it's literally there. that. And you know what? It's kind of scary. So mm. when you tap around on this, and I recommend everyone does, set up a page and look through how close you can target it. It's scary how accurate you can do it. And you say 10 years ago, it wasn't that powerful. I believe it's not that powerful today. Mm. And I cannot wait to see what it's going to do in the next 10 years. Because as I said, in my opinion, that's the way the world's going. It's, we're going social. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. We've almost got to the end of our time, Jamie. But I've got that to is ask a you shame. That it went is a fast. shame. But I'll tell you what, because I know you've got a book coming out next year. Yes. And hopefully an audio version. We're yeah. sat in the studio. I we are sat in the version. studio. And now I've seen yeah. it, I've definitely got to do an audio. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, too, I'm not sure people want to listen to my voice for I'm sure 12 will, hours. I'm but. sure they will. I'm, I'm, as somebody who's now too lazy to read a book, I love my <laughs> audio books. So I'll be listening to you. But you've got a book coming out next year. So maybe you can come back and tell us all about that. Yeah, that'll be great. That'll be really great. And I'd, I'd love to come uh, talk about it. So it's going to be called the Deal Packaging Bible. Mm. And what pushed me to write it is I've seen these books that are written by some people in the industry. I'm not going to name names. And you read it and I think, right, that's basically to get me to some sort of event, mm. isn't it? Mm. And that's great. You know, and you should go to an event mm. and get educated properly. But I wanted to write a book that encompassed everything, absolutely right. everything. So it should be if you're that sort of person that can take action from a book, there's enough in there to start making money um, for you to then make the money and get some education and really get that support. But that was the idea behind the book. And I, you know, I've deliberately called it Deal Packaging Bible before I even started writing it, because I thought if you're going to come up with a name like that, you better bloody deliver. Yeah. Um, so it's forced me to really, and it's taken me months yes. to put this together, you know, months to put this together and get all of the information in. So I really hope it's going to deliver. Right. So I don't know when you're listening to this, listeners, but Jamie will come back and tell us all about it next year. But what I was going to ask you about, because you've teased me with this a little bit, when I said that you're on TV, and you <laughs> said you didn't know which one you were, you were I was talking about, and we were talking about the, the week the landlord moved in. Yeah. Yeah. What was the other one then? So there's, there's been a few since. And, uh, oh, okay. And, um, a few? Yeah, so a couple of um, like young entrepreneur ones. One of them right. I turned down because it was, it was trying to paint the life. They were like, oh, have you got investors abroad? And I was like, yeah, I've got some in Dubai, some in France, you know, that sort of thing. And they were like, right, we'll fly you over there, first class, business class, nicest hotels, all expenses paid. We want to show you the life of an entrepreneur. I was like, that's not the life of an entrepreneur. I was like, I don't know any entrepreneurs that do that. The life of the entrepreneur is working hard, mm. you know, working more hours than you would in a job most of the time because you've got that why, because it's pushing you to that next level, whether it's for your family, your friends, or just a, an inner desire to be great. Mm. Um, that's the life of an entrepreneur. And I was like, I, I didn't want to do that. Um, but yeah, the, the, we've, we've done a couple, some more property ones, some smaller, some bigger. Um, but that was a really interesting one the week the landlord moved in. And uh, a lot of people were advising against doing it mm. because they thought essentially it was going to be a, a rumble on the um, landlords, if you like. But I didn't see it like that. I thought, I thought the logical order was essentially landlords. What do you think is going to be? And, you know, you're trying to show us always a bit delusional that we think it's amazing and all of that. Then you get hit with reality or it's not actually that good. And then you've got an opportunity to make mm. right. And sure, there were some um, interesting editing moments that maybe I didn't like. But overall, we got a really, really nice response from that. And, you know, it was about three million people watching. 
And in my head, you know what, like you need exposure in business. And that was some free marketing. Three million people now know my name. Yep. Three people, million people now might be interested. And we had a surge of investors coming in the month after. We're talking thousands there you coming are. in. So there you yeah, are. Definitely so anybody who's listening to this, go on to iPlayer, see if you can find it. Yeah, have some fun. <laughs> so the week the landlords moved in, I think it was about a year and a half, two years yeah. ago. So I don't know if you're about to find it now, but yeah. people still talk about it today. So maybe they are watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a great episode. Jamie, that's probably it, unfortunately. And I sense we could have talked for hours and hours and hours, but we have to stop there. So thank you so much for coming in. No, thank you for having me. I really, really hope to come back and talk some more. Yeah, um, we will have you back. I promise you that. So, Jamie York, if you want to find out more about Jamie, I'm sure they can connect with you on Facebook. Yeah, or... just jump, jump on Facebook, get in touch with everything we spoke about today. Um, probably best is Facebook. Just add me as a friend, um, yeah. send me a message and we'll chat. And in terms of property, if somebody wants to buy properties, can they come yeah, to you? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're looking for investments all around the UK and your area, get in touch with wesellbmv.co.uk. Um, and there'll be a form to fill in there and one of my team will get in touch with you. If you're looking for something more bespoke, uh, a hands-free investment, just link up with me on Facebook and we'll invite you up for a tour day, spend some time with us, understanding the area and we'll get that up and running for you. Sounds like a fantastic opportunity. So Jamie, thank you ever so much. Thank you. And I've been Peter Jones. And if you want to know more about me, you can come to my website, which is www.thepropertyteacher.co.uk where you find my blog and all sorts of useful information. So I'd love to see you there. But until next time, until next week, until the next Progressive Property Podcast, here's to successful property investing. <laughs> <laughs>